Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. Today on today's show, of course, we're joined by Nico Morales from America. That was the intro was from France, but Nico, you're from America, right? I am, I am from America. That was a brilliant, brilliant cameo from Dave's girlfriend there. Uh, no, Nico, that was my voice. I was just putting on my French accent. Oh, okay. But, uh, which one of your alter egos is it today? Uh, that was uh, Talise. Uh, that's my no, my French alter ego. Like I've changed gender and I've also changed accent. But anyway, on today's show, we're, of course, we're going to talk the news. A lot of big things, a lot of champions emerging from the weekend's action. Then we're going to move on to Man United and Liverpool still being a little bit rubbish. Talk a little bit about Serie A. There's some exciting stuff from over the weekend. Spalletti's Roma beating Juventus. A big, big shock there. And of course, finishing off with Timo Werner and his ultra, ultra pressing. So the news today. First of all, of course, we're going to talk about Man United in the Europa League final. We missed that on Friday. Unfortunately, on Friday's podcast, I was a little bit busy, so I couldn't record. So my thoughts on the, the Europa League, my thoughts on Man United this season. First of all, of course, the Europa League is kind of the only way Manchester United are going to get into the top four. And they, they showed against El Vigo that they kind of trundled over the line. They kind of Marouan Fellaini'd over the line. Marouan Fellaini grabbing a, a, a crucial goal. But also, you know, if you think about it, he's done quite well for Man United. Nico... Are you surprised Fellaini's been that good? Because I've been raving about him for the, probably about half a year under Jose Mourinho. I think it's one of those things we've talked, up, talked about before. You know, his physical appearance maybe doesn't help him in terms of uh, how people criticize him. I think he looks, uh, he doesn't look like an intelligent player. He doesn't look like a good player. Um, but I'm not necessarily surprised that he can carve himself out a role in a multitude of teams because he does have a discernible skill set. So not completely surprised, but once again, you know, we have to, be more objective in our analysis, and I think you've done well to, to point that out. Mm, it's, a, it's a real interesting one. Like, it doesn't make sense for United. It's not been a Manchester United we've seen before. But again, he was signed as a sort of false target man, a guy that United can go wrong to. And then when United do that, it makes sense. And it kind of did against Celta Vigo. It made sense to bypass that midfield, bypass the press, get Marouan Fellaini further up the pitch. And it's one of these weird things where we've sort of become Marouan Fellaini as a football club. Man United are Marouan Fellaini, and 
you know, his work has been very good, you know, grabbing the goal um, in a crucial... It's not where you want to be as a football no, player. I think that's, you don't want to be Maron That's a great Blaine. thing to, to highlight. You don't want to be Maron Blaine. You want to be progressive. You want to be attacking. You want to be, you know, you want to have an intent. You want to be basically Monaco. You want to be RB Leipzig. You want to be Atletico Madrid. Man United aren't there right now. And I think it's going to be a massive summer for Mourinho. You know, there's players that he's used, players he's not used quite well and not quite well. So it's a really interesting one for United, but they are in the Europa League final. If they beat Ajax and in the Champions League, which is... It's a real cheat. I feel like United have cheated the way through. 14 draws in the Premier League this season isn't quite good enough. But talking about the Premier League, Chelsea, crowned Premier League champions on Friday. A fantastic result um, for Chelsea and a good result for Conte as well, who's incredibly won, what is it, four straight league titles on the bounce from his days at Juve to now, uh, which is pretty incredible in club football. Nico, who's do you think has been the most important player for Chelsea this season? Probably N'Golo Conte. Um, like I've highlighted a number of times, the system is sort of built around, not completely built around him, but there, there are certain parts of it as to how they counter whatever team he, he goes to. If the system is sort of pandering towards his strengths, you know, his ability to win the ball in areas that the opposition definitely doesn't want to lose it in, which he's very good at, then, you know, you can, you can be a very, uh, you can score a lot of goals without necessarily putting, a lot of attacking effort into your, I guess, offensive tactics. Um, You can break very well because, like I said, he wins the ball in areas that are the most advantageous because that's his skill set. So I would probably say N'Golo Kante. Right, I know it's a cracking point. N'Golo Kante, again, I'd say he was better at Leicester City, but he's still doing a cracking role for... Um, you know, for Chelsea, he's been absolutely incredible. And again, the stats are just ridiculous for Kante. He's won more tackles, made more interceptions, won more Premier League points than any other player since moving um, to England, which is absolutely incredible. In fact, if Kante was a team, I've said this stat before, he'd be top of the Premier League. Eight points, in fact, ahead of Spurs right now. But credit to Angulo Kante. One player, though, that kind of, uh, you know, shone today. Uh, Chelsea beating Watford four goals to three. Again, with Cesc Fabregas coming off the bench and making a big impact. In terms of where I see this Chelsea team, it could potentially be Cesc Fabregas as a defensive midfielder, taking up the Pirlo role. Nico, do you think that's, uh, you know, something that Kante could do next season if Eden Hazard goes or... Diego Costa goes, changing the midfield and going to a three-man midfield, going to a three-five-two, and allowing Fabregas that space and that time on the ball to dictate. No, I don't think it's something that they'll be able to do. Um, as far as what the, what they should do, like maybe you're right, they should progress towards a system that's far more sustainable. You know, as we've learned over the past couple of seasons, and and really as we watch football as a whole. Um, sort of collectively more and more teams, you know, you have to change your style of play. You have to, the most sustainable and style of play over a period of time is, is to at least have some uh, degree of efficacy with possession and not just be a counterattacking team. And not to say that Chelsea are just that. Um, but I, I just don't think that Conte with the players he has from an offensive standpoint would be able to implement a consistent, you know, possession system that would be good enough to replicate the results that they've had this season and specifically I, I think I'd like to hone in on um, Aiden Hazard's inability to make runs off the ball I think that's one of the biggest weaknesses of his game and, and part of what may, has made him so good both under Mourinho and this season under Conte is that they they, they deliver as well to, to to the feet and then you know he can dribble past players in situations where they're sort of on the counter where uh you can dribble through when you're in a possession system that's you know against a low block you really don't want to be dribbling through people because you'll give away the possession you'll give away possession a lot more and be a lot more susceptible on the counter so um i don't think it's something that he can do but i think you're making the correct point that's something that that's a style that they should try to move towards 
Yeah, it's a real interesting one again. Like you mentioned, Eden Hazard, a player that was, you know, in recent weeks under, you know, especially under Herrera, nullified him, nullified him when he went man to man, which is a really interesting part, a component of their system. They need more playmakers in that system. Go to the great teams of, of, of yesteryear. They have multiple playmakers. They have playmakers out wide. They have playmakers in central midfield. They have playmakers at centre half. Arguably, Chelsea could have a playmaker in centre back in David Luiz. They just need one in central midfield. I think they've got Hazard, they've got David Luiz, they need that link, link man in the middle. It could be Fabregas, but again, you, you know, your first choice team for Chelsea right now under Conte is Matic and uh, Kante. It's a real interesting one, a really, really interesting proposition for um, you know, Conte and Chelsea for the summer. Again, next season is another counter-attacking team going to win the Premier League. We've seen Leicester do it, we've seen Chelsea do it. Is it going to be Manchester United next, Nico? No, it's obviously going to be <laughs> Arsenal um, because Arsene Wenger has purposely this has per- uh, this is something that I, I thought up today, folks. He's purposely uh, fallen short of Champions League qualification because he knows the last two Premier League winners have done so without competing in Europe, Leicester City and now Chelsea. Next is going to be Arsenal. They're not going to qualify for the Champions League solely focus on the FA Cup and the Premier League and they're going to win the Premier League title next season. <laughs> This, in fact, is breaking news on the podcast. Nico Morales calling Arsenal out as winners of the Premier League in 2017-18 season. One thing that I would question, though, Nico, is that Arsenal would be in the Europa League, which we've seen United massively struggle with this season. But anyway, so, Nico, Monaco are named as Liga champions this season. A fantastic display from a number of players there. You know, the likes of Mbappe, Falcao, Bernardo Silva, Lamar, Fabinho, Bakayoko, uh, Glick, Jemison. We've got Sidibe, we've got Mendy, and obviously Subasic in goal. Which which one of those do you think can be sold this summer and you know you could replace? Because there's some guys in there that I don't think you could, but who do you think you could sell if you were, you know, for example, the owner of Monaco with all your billions? That That's an extremely difficult question. I didn't know you were going to ask me that, kind of put me on the spot. <laughs> um, as to who you could replace, that's, I think that's one of the most difficult things and, and one of the things that they really tell you not to do um, in in sort of management um there there are a couple of books out there that i've read uh but they you know it's extremely difficult to replace a player that has a very specific skill set especially one that has led obviously monaco to to domestic success with the league uh a title being given to them this this uh, past weekend um as to who they could directly replace i want to say that maybe they could make use uh, of a center back within Liga um, or elsewhere and maybe sell Jemerson or, or Glick. But it's difficult to replicate the, the ability of so many of those players. You know, Sadiba and Mendy being so good and so physical and so athletic um, as as left back and right back. Thomas Lamar, I think he's going to go on to be a very, very, very special player um, once he does leave Monaco, which I think he will. Silva's another one of those guys that's that's has a very specific skill set. And the same goes for a lot of those central midfielder players that they have in, in Bakayoko and, and Fabinho, as well as to some extent, John Moutinho, who's maybe getting up there in age and, and uh, a bit different skill set to Bakayoko and, and Fabinho, but definitely different. And then obviously Kylian Mbappe will when he does move, which I don't think will be this summer, um, it, it's it's difficult to find a youngster or really anyone that, that that's that quick and that good and that can fit that well into that system. So um, as far as someone that you know you could sell and, and maybe most easily replace, maybe one of the center backs, but they've been brilliant as well. So it's a difficult one. You see, the only player that I think they could even go near, go close to replacing is Bakayoko. I think that's it. I think Bakayoko's a... 
He's very. Who good would you replace him with then? You see, I think they've already got the replacement. They've evolved the side. If they're getting Yori Tilsman, that's heavily linked. Apparently, he's agreed a eighteen point uh, five million euro move to Monaco. That would be an mm-hmm. incredible move. That would be a move to sort of evolve the side. You know, we've seen Fabinho's work at being the DM, being the guy that's linking everything together, holding in midfield. Bakayoko's fantastic. His energy is brilliant. His ability to press and to to do multiple roles in central midfield is fantastic. The way that he can carry the ball is good. But what we've seen here's what I think, Dave. I, I think instead you're just saying that Bakioko can be replaced because you, in fact, want him at Manchester United, and that simply isn't isn't going to happen <laughs> because the fact of the matter is is that no one wants to play in the Europa League after getting so close in the Champions League because you, you guys will lose that final. You see, so. I, like, I like Fabinho. I've always said I like Fabinho more than I like Bakioko. I just kind of think tactically, it kind of if you wanted to upgrade this side and you wanted to, because again, uh, Monaco are going to deal with the same problem Chelsea are. They're going to have to hold the ball a lot more. And if there's one guy you want in central midfield right now, 19 years old, and you can sign him up, it's uh, Yuri Tilsman. Like what a player he is, what a talent he can become. So maybe it's good, it's good business. Maybe even playing a, a, a three of Bakayoko, Fabinho, and Yuri Tilsman. Maybe that's how they go. They go a three-four-three. Three, they sell someone like Lamar. They put Mbappe out wide. They put Silver on the other side, and, and obviously Radamel Falcao through the middle. It's going to be fascinating absolutely fascinating for what Monaco do over the summer and other news of course let's touch on Portugal where Benfica have uh, been uh, you know, called champions over there and of course Feyenoord over in um, in Holland with uh, Dirk Kraut and uh, Van Bonkost lifting the title together Van Bonkost you know done some great things at Feyenoord really moved the side on Feyenoord was such a dodgy team a few seasons ago and he's really you know uh, brought together youth and experience in Dirk Kraut and really taken taken uh, you know the game to Ajax and arguably Ajax should have won the league they had chances to get back into the league they were you know a number of points behind and it, it ends up with one point behind but Ajax just not quite good enough and of course the Europa League final awaits Ajax, which will be a real test of their season. You know, players like uh, Justin Clivert coming through and, and, and all sorts of talented, talented young players. Kasper Dolberg has got the most goals in the Europa League from this season with six fantastic, fantastic players. Striker that put almost players as a false nine. But anyway, let's move on from that. Let's finish off on the news. The news was long today. The news was about 13 minutes and 57 seconds. Anyway, let's go on to the first uh, topic of discussion today, and that is the Premier League. And first up, Liverpool. That's still rubbish. Nico, you were impressed with what Jurgen Klopp did um, at the weekend. What did he do? Hey, finally listen to me. He, he said, you know... No, uh, wait, was he reading your articles and stuff? <laughs> I, I think he, I think he well, was. Um, where did he find them? Been... Did he find them on Twitter at Nico underscore Morales, right? That, that's exactly where he found them, oh, Dave. And that's where you that's folks can that's... find it as well. So that's Nico underscore... Or O Morales on Twitter, um, but you know it's it's one of those things I've said for weeks now. I think the more pressing than really any other issue within that team, Liverpool need a left winger because there are people claiming, you know, oh, what about Coutinho's cut-ins and how much we depend on that? It's like, well, if you're depending on someone, a, a player taking a shot from 25 yards every week, then you're probably doing something wrong. So I was, yeah, I was impressed with what Klopp. Did tactically, he played a four-four-two diamond with Adam Lallana and Coutinho switching, and and Coutinho playing sort of an eight-ten role somewhere in between there, and, and he did very well. But still, there's a lot to be said about this Liverpool team. I mean, I know the result was was three or four nil against West Ham, and. West Ham, West Ham actually didn't play necessarily that bad until the game sort of got away with them after the second goal. Um, but there was the, the, the movement in the, in the half spaces and really when they were dominating dominating possession in the final third is still really, really bad. And that's one of the things that stands out to me the most. I mean, bar West Ham not playing into their hands and, and opening up the field a bit more and trying to press them when they finally get back to the goalkeeper – 
this could have been another result where Liverpool could have slipped up and then maybe Arsenal slip into the top four and they still have that opportunity. You know, if they don't get any points um, at Borough this weekend, then it still is a slight possibility, but it's looking less and less. Um, but, but at the same time, I think it's something that even with the tactical switch, even with playing Coutinho through the middle, playing him as a midfielder, which I think he should, regardless of whether they're going to play in this 4-4-2 diamond system or whether they're going to revert back to their 4-3-3, I, I still... I think there's a lot to be said about the fact that the players are almost static when they have possession and the movement is so little and there's so there's so little invention and creation at times in the final third for Liverpool that I just I really hope that's something that Klopp can can fix whether it be personnel related or or tactics related in the summer or some sometime in in between there. What's quite interesting as well as how you know this this formation was Liverpool got so close to winning the league title, the only Premier League title they could have ever won. They got so close by playing a 4-4-2 narrow dime with Coutinho playing as a left central midfielder. Raheem Sterling was the guy instead of Lallana at number 10 that switched positions with Coutinho. They had obviously Suarez and Suarez up front. It's kind of going back to that. It's like Klopp reverting a few years ago, playing Firmino and Daniel Sturridge up top. Daniel Sturridge, of course, you know, scoring a vital first goal. It's a really interesting one to see their, their, their transition from, from Klopp to now. And what Klopp will do in the summer is so interesting. In terms of how they can win the title, I think there's a few more positions they need, especially at centre-back. Nico, have you watched a lot of Michael Keane at all, at all this season? Yeah, I have seen a, a little bit of him at Burnley. I think he'd actually fit um, Manchester City better than he would fit Liverpool. Um, but but he is a, is a really good player and he's a really talented passer of the ball. He, he makes very difficult passes uh, very consistently. Um, and that's definitely something to be impressed with. But with how sort of aggressive uh, Liverpool's pressing tactics are, I think that it would sort of be the same issue. I see Liverpool fans on, on Twitter and on different social medias um, week in and week out sort of complaining about the, the positioning of of their center backs in, in Klavan or Matip or, or uh, Lovren. And, and I think it's the same issue. I mean, you can complain about your perceived criticisms of their positioning, but they're being exposed a lot of the time because – um, basically, my theory on this is that when when you're pressing, um, it's fine and all once you force that first pack, pass backwards. But then Liverpool tend to continue to press, and then a team will often switch the ball to the opposite side of the field, and that's where we Game see a lot over. of the exposure. <laughs> yeah, because there's so much forward, and the, and the shot suppression is so so heavy and so um, so intense that you know eight times out of ten it works. It's those two times out of ten where the ball is switched to the opposite side of the field that teams can be so direct they can make Lovren and Metip and 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 uh, Klavan look like absolute idiots that it doesn't really matter who you put there that it's not going to be good so I, I don't necessarily think the transfer market is always the option but who knows it's real it is a huge nose question for you for you and Klopp I think he needs to really evaluate his squad and then see um you know whether he does need new signings, I really do. I'm not with Michael Keane for me. I'm not sure if he is as good um, on the ball as maybe you make out. Nico, you know, 71% pass accuracy in the Premier League this season is pretty atrocious. Uh, I think what he does well is he's, he's a raw defender. He can, you know, he, I think he's top of clearances, top of uh, interceptions off centre backs in the Premier League. He's he's a real raw guy. You know, in terms of aerial duels won, he's really up there. But I don't think he's got the the ability to be. Liverpool centre half, and I argue at City as well. Maybe you'd struggle. You've obviously got John Stones, who's a brilliant ball player. I think you know if you compare Michael Keane with John Stones, you comparing like a 
you know, a Fiat with a Ferrari in a way. No, no offence to Michael Keane, but he's just not quite up there in terms of a ball-playing sense. He's a very good defender. I'm not going to argue that. He's a very good defender, and he's learned well at United, and he's done very well at Burnley. He's done very well under Sean Dyche, but I don't think he's quite there to do what Liverpool need to do, which, like you mentioned, and like your articles mentioned, and everything you've said over the last five minutes, is break a low block. And how do you deal with someone that's press-resistant, or how do you deal with someone switching the plate, which is a big thing that United didn't do which we're moving on. So we started with Liverpool are still rubbish, but now we're going to talk about Manchester United are really, really, really rubbish. Their performance against Spurs was absolutely atrocious. Again, no fight, no tempo. Out of the 11 players that played, I'd say maybe David De Gea, Eric Bailly and Anthony Martial played well. Anthony Marcel is an interesting one. Um, last season played 27 full games for LVG in the Premier League and this season's only played six. Nico, do you think that's a mismanagement of a young player to not play him enough, and especially a young attacker that needs confidence when they're going forward, that needs these game times? Do you think that's a, a bit of a mismanagement for Mourinho? Yeah, I think there's a lot of questionable decisions that Jose Mourinho has made this season, and Anthony, his usage of Anthony Martial is um, is certainly one of them because he's a he's an incredibly talented player. I mean, every time he plays against Manchester City, or every time I get to see him play, I mean, he's a really exciting guy. He he takes on his player, and I think. Um, I like to draw comparisons sort of between wingers and where maybe Raheem Sterling is more dependent on his physical attributes, his quickness across the ground. He takes a big t- touch and then tries to, to beat a player with pure speed. Someone like Antti Martial and Leroy Sané, they do what I like to call stride dribbling, which is the ball is much more in control. Uh, it's much more in control. They're, they're longer limbs and they're using they, – they have pace. Don't get me wrong. Pace is an important part of it. But it's much less about taking a big touch and beating someone as to beating them with pure dribbling ability and how close they can keep the ball to their foot and how fast they can move the ball. Um, and I think that's something that, that's consistent with Martial. Another thing that he does extremely well, which I think he's he, he's one of the, the best players out there at doing, is, is creating a dribble and then creating a shot off of it which um expected goals rates is a a really really high chance any any shot that's away or any goals that are created from from uh pure like a dribble that that the player created on their own is a high fidelity chance because the majority of the time when players are creating their own shot off the dribble want flexibility take yoga want flexibility with your health insurance Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's a high fidelity chance, and that's what Anthony Martial does well. I think... The, the, that came through with with some of the shots that uh, in this Tottenham game was that they came extremely 
extremely close um, to, to going in. And I, I think that it is a bit of mismanagement from Mourinho because if you had pandered to, to, to a player like him, you know, we see the dependence on Ibrahimovic and now that he's out of the team, Manchester United are, are not, are barely even scoring. And if you play more towards his style uh, or maybe other players' style in the team, then you might get more goals. Yeah, he's, you know, like you say, in style, Marcus Rashford, of course, has exploded in the last few months playing as a number nine, which is absolutely fantastic. And Anthony Manzioli, I think he needs a bit more game time. Mourinho needs to play more of a four-four-two diamond in these bigger games with someone like uh, Mkhitaryan or maybe Antoine Griezmann as, as the tip with Martial and Rashford up top. I think that's it for Mourinho. I really do think it's it. What we've mentioned before, how he struggles in these big away games against the top six, what he's got one goal away from home against the top six this season, which is woeful. That's absolutely atrocious. And again, I, I, look, I think Marino is a cracking manager. I think he's done very good stuff at United. But again, I can't not criticise him. I criticise Ferguson and I will criticise Mourinho. I'll criticise David Moyes and I'll criticise Louis van Gaal because they're not perfect. Ferguson was the closest to perfect I've ever seen. Mourinho, you know, has got things to do, things to work on. His attacking intent, which I said before, needs to be worked on. And someone like Anthony Martial whether he's played as a striker on the left wing, is deadly as ever. So it needs to have a little bit more game time from Mourinho. In terms of one player I want to quickly touch on in terms of the last few weeks, who's been keeping Moussa Dembele out the side. Apparently he's the most underrated central midfielder in the Premier League, which is a load of rubbish. Moussa Dembele has his ceiling. He's, he's a decent player, but he's not great. Eric Dyer, though, a modern-day Englishman, someone that really understands the game of football, understands when to drop back into, into the back two, whether to the left or the right, when to bring the ball out, when to play in central midfield, when to push up. He was fantastic against Arsenal in the North London derby and for me was brilliant against Manchester United again. Uh, Nico, do you think he is what England should be looking for in a, in a central midfielder in terms of his awareness of the game, how he was brought up? He went to obviously to learn his trade in Portugal. Is that a way that we should be pushing our players? That's actually what I was about to mention, Dave, was that you, you say a uh, uh a modern Englishman or, or the perfect incarnation of one when actually he, he learned much of that probably at his time at sporting. So not going to give the credit to any of his time, uh, developing <laughs> I think, in England. I think it's just, it's just English by where he was born, not by style of football. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, uh, the funny thing was for me was that Tottenham pretty much in my opinion, in the opinion of many, they won this game pretty comprehensively. And that's not to say Spurs were, Amazing. It's just that Manchester United were pretty poor. The funny thing about that is, is that the many, many multitude of times that Tottenham have played a four-two-three-one or a three-four-three or whatever, a midfield pairing of Victor Wanyama and Eric Dyer hasn't worked out um, for whatever reason. I, I I couldn't tell you because I don't watch them enough. Um, but I, I just thought it was funny that worked out against Manchester United because they just really are that bad. <laughs> You see, Nico, I'd also say it worked out very, very well against Arsenal. It was absolutely fantastic. I really was really surprised. I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think that pairing works quite well as, as together. But the last two weeks when Tottenham have had to pick up some big wins, they're playing United and they're playing Arsenal, they've won, they've won the six points, which is pretty in, interesting in terms of Dyer. Dyer was fantastic last season. But Arsenal's 3-4-3 three, three is pretty bad yeah, as well. Yeah, this, this is the fair point. It's, a, it's one of these things where both of these systems aren't the greatest. You know, United, uh, the man mark consistently they did on Ericsson and, and Deli Alley was, was just ridiculous. Like, what are you doing? Why are you playing a full I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask going you again. Mark? I'm gonna ask you again, Dave. Go what on. what does Mourinho need to do to get the best? Because I cry every week when I watch Manchester United and see a brilliant player, one that I used to love to watch at Dortmund when he was at his peak, Henrik Mkhitaryan, just 
absolutely wasted. What do you guys? Again, he, he didn't come off the. You know, he came off the bench again. What yeah. when Mkhitaryan's been good this season is when he played central again. Going back to the Anthony Martial point, Mourinho hasn't used his attackers very well this season in terms of who he's stuck with. There's no main man. You know, think of the previous clubs he's been at. There's been main men every single time in an attacking sense. Ronaldo, Ozil, Hazard. Um, you know, Wesley Schneider. You know, the list goes on and on. He's not done that at United. He's not decided who is the big cheese. Who is the guys that was going to play every week? Mkhitaryan should be one of those guys. Anthony Martial should be one of those guys. But we've not seen that. And whether that's him getting older, him getting more pragmatic, him having a problem with their attitude, I don't know what it is, but it doesn't seem quite right right now. Like There needs to be a bit of belief in these guys to for them to achieve. You know, Mkhitaryan came on, I thought he was absolutely rubbish against Spurs. I thought he was terrible. One of the worst. And that's kind of the problem with Mkhitaryan this season. You have games where he's unbelievable and he carries the ball like a Brazilian. He, he drifts past players, he puts, puts in a great shift defensively. But you have games where he's just, he's not a two-yard pass, he's not making it. And it's one of these weird things. Is that him? Is it Mourinho? Is it the whole Manchester United at the moment that is a bit of a you know isn't in the greatest position as a club? Seems to be throwing money at problems and not dealing with problems themselves. And it's kind of what's going on. But yeah, Mkhitaryan will be good, I think, next season. I think another season in the Premier League or adjust to it. And if he can stay fit for the whole year, that was the big thing as well. Mkhitaryan, right before he got injured against Spurs at home, let's say. So this is in November or October when I went to the game. He was fantastic. Like he was in like a game, it's two or three games in a row where he was the best player on the pitch, and he got injured. It was a pretty horrible tackle. I can't think it was Danny Rose who put in a pretty horrible tackle on him, and he got injured. And it's one of these things where football's so weird. Where sometimes it's luck. Like imagine if he would killed that game, killed that game, and he grows some momentum. Then he's United's best attacker. We all know he can do that. We all know the talent Henrik Mkhitaryan has. But it's getting that run of games and getting the run of games and not being injured and having the confidence. It's like a lot of different def- um, sort of fractions at United at the moment. It's difficult to deal with for attacking players. Martial, Mkhitaryan, Rashford's obviously one that's kind of dodged that. But anyway, let's move on from the Premier League to Syria. Where Nico, again, um, I've got note, some notes here. Napoli were effing great. Um, do you want to explain that? I think you wrote that. Um but yeah, they were fantastic. They they beat once again, you know, a, a brilliant performance from Napoli. Their compactness, their pressing, their sort of uh, overloads to underloads. You know, they absolutely blew away Joe Hart's Torino five um, 0 So that that was brilliant to watch. But the big big game, uh, putting the prosecco on ice, as you were, um, and 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 Juventus not not joining the rest of of the champions this this weekend is is AS Roma beating. Uh, beating Juventus three one. Something that you've um, you know openly on this podcast you've you, I don't want to blame you but you know you've never seen what Spalletti's done so well um, you know in one of these big games maybe this is for you like for myself I used to not like uh, Carlo Ancelotti I used to think he was a as a manager that got away on the talent he had you know the likes of Kakar and Gattuso Pirlo and so forth but then you know understanding Ancelotti and understanding what he is as a manager I grow on that same with Zidane. I'm the first guy to to come back and say, you know, I made a mistake with Zidane. Nico, do you think you, you know in terms of Spalletti? Do you think you, you've underrated him a little bit, or do you think you've rated him well? And he just this is the time where he's really performed. There's a little bit of both in there. Um, I think it's somewhere in between the system that he's been working on for a long time and sort of working working on perfecting, which is a three four three sort of three five two ish, more of a three four three with all of his preferred players in the side. Um, Ed and Jekko unfortunately missing out in this game, um, or I guess fortunately for for them because they had a fantastic performance. Fortunately for but, Mo Salah, right? <laughs> yeah, um, I love Mo Salah. He's fucking brilliant. He's he's fantastic. He was fantastic at the weekend as well. Um, but you know. 
he, the system that he, that he had formulated with his best players in the uh, bar and Jekka this weekend was one that did very well against uh, Juventus because, um, you know, we look at the, the football tactics created in the past, you know, 10, 15, 20 years or, or football tactics that are modernized now, um, sort of a, a Hoyolo Posicion, which to some extent, you know, speaks to positional play, but also speaks towards um, how you sort of put five players forward. And, and the main purpose of that is to combat the ever so popular four, four-man defense. Um, and I think that's what, that's what um, Roma did so well this weekend is that they were able to to combat and directly attack that back line no matter how good it was. And yes, they were missing some key uh, players in there. Benatia played um, instead of one of the favorite center backs. Danny Alves didn't come in until uh, very late into the game. Paulo, Paulo Dybala, um, Stefano uh, Stuaro was in there as well. So it wasn't exactly uh, the... It wasn't it wasn't the preferred lineup for Juventus, but at the same time, I think both formations just clashed in a way that that Roma, along with some brilliant individual performances, you know, from Paredes, Emerson, who are quickly becoming some of the best uh, wingbacks in 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 the world, in my opinion. Um, you know, it, it was attacked very well, and also. Iguain looked completely isolated against the three-man defense that was Manolas, Rudiger, and Fazio. Um, so it was just sort of a weird one from from uh, from Allegri, and I, I expected him to do a little bit better. But once uh, Dani Alves came on, the, the game improved a little bit in terms of performance for them. But still, Roma pounced on the opportunity. They were very fired up for this game, and you know, given Monchi their next season, they're going to make intelligent decisions within the transfer market. And if Spalletti can continue to, I, I guess, sort of accentuate this 3-5-2, 3-4-3 system that he's done so well to get so much out of, then I think, you know, we could see them hit the targets that Monchi has been talking about in press conferences, which is keeping Roma amongst the European elite or getting them back to that point, which, you know, they're going to do well because they're going to qualify for the Champions League next season. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they get on in Europe and, and maybe you know, legitimately challenge for the Serie A title next season. That's what we want. We want Serie A back to its best. We want Inter in there. We want AC in there. We want Napoli in there. We want Roma in there. And of course, Juve and Fiorentina. That'd be absolutely fantastic. But that's probably enough for the Serie A chat. Nico's cracking analysis once again. But let's move on to the Bundesliga, where arguably it was game of the weekend. Bayern Munich versus RB Leipzig. The game finishing 5-4 to Bayern Munich. But it started with RB Leipzig's pressing and intensity. Nico, how impressed are you by their press? How does it look like? What's the tactics behind it? Some really interesting. I mean, we, we've seen Tottenham, or not Tottenham, sorry. Uh, we've seen Hoffenheim this season go with sort of a very fluid formation where we see them roll out sort of the 4-2-2-2. Uh, two, 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 um, and Leipzig doing, doing also a similar thing. And that really advocates you know sort of the fluidity and 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 i guess very loose shape that is the the pressing and intensity that leipzig and hoffenheim and these other pressing sides in the bundesliga look to have um sort of the way it works in a very loose skeletal system is the two up front timo Werner and polson stay very narrow then there's two behind them i believe in forsberg and, and sabitzer um if i'm not mistaken uh that are a little bit wider and then the two right behind them in nabi Keita and uh yeah damn it something with a d um in there and and they're a little bit they're a little bit more narrow again and basically with that with that very loose i guess skeletal system looks to do is uh identify it's sort of like a a terminator you know it looks at it looks at uh, where the the 
ball is loose. And I, I, I don't know, I have a very way of a uh, weird way of visualizing things in my head and sort of, I, I look at pressing as sort of like a, like a, like a pint of beer on a table. And then when you touch it slightly, you know, it starts to rock and that's when you want to press, you know, if you see a player take a loose touch or the, these players have to have sort of this ingrained ability to discern when is the best time to press, when is the best time to pounce, what players to do it to, uh, what players are susceptible to it and, and which qualities, you know, they, they can really pounce upon it. And that's, what this Leipzig side is very good at doing. Timo Werner is an extremely quick player. Poulsen's very uh, physical. Um, and those midfielders are very combative over 90 minutes. One thing that, that uh, a data, data analyst pointed out, um, it's very, I think it's a very good stat for now um, as, as we move forward and refine it. Uh, Colin Trainer used it a couple years ago to sort of try to measure the pressing efficacy of teams. It's called PPDA, passes per defensive action, and it basically uh, tries to measure the passes that the team in possession uh, get to make uh, in the in the I guess their defensive third and, and sort of the opposition's final third of the field and sort of that measures uh, the, the the pressing efficacy to to some extent. And Leipzig have been you know very high on that chart the issue with that and maybe sort of also the issue within this match is that we see that ppda sort of fade as the match goes on and fade very significantly as the uh, as the match enters the final stages and this is where byron scored three goals in the last 10 minutes and when you're not, when your press isn't organized and when you're not fully committed to the cause that's when those sort of tactics can be you know very well pounced upon so some good stuff from leipzig in there but also you know managing that over 90 minutes is going to be essential for them moving forward i think it's all it is all about management when you're pressing that style you know the style is beautiful it's something that Jürgen Klopp used to do very well at Borussia Dortmund. They used to press at the right times, then drop back and sit into their counter-attacking shape. We've seen RB Leipzig do that. And they've scored the most goals in Europe's top five leagues on the break. But again, like this game where they were the 4-2 up and then Bayern got back into it. Iron Robin obviously scoring the winner. But it's, it's a real interesting one. I can't wait for next season to see RB Leipzig versus, obviously, Bayern Munich. They've been linked with a whole host of players. Gnabry, one that's been linked this week from Werner Bremen to join the revolution over in Leipzig. And that could be quite an interesting one, you know, another attacking player uh, with Emil Forsberg potentially off, you know, too many assists. That's his problem, Emil Forsberg. You know, you can't you can't sit at someone like RB Leipzig uh, when you've rocked 18 assists in your top five leagues and scored five goals. Unfortunately, it's time for potentially you to move on. One player that, you know, you touched on Yusuf Paulson, he's a player that's not really got the, the accolades. You know, the weird thing is, he's, he's first choice. He's first choice he, as a striker. He scored four goals and got four assists in around 28 games this season in the Bundesliga. Why though, Nico? Because he presses hard and he works hard. Defensively, he's one of the best defensive forwards in Europe's top five leagues. And, he, and you know, it's understood by Hassan Hootl and uh, Rannick that he's a fantastic talent, works very, very hard, and eventually one day will probably score a hatful of goals for, late, for uh, Leipzig. But in terms of Bayern, Nico, who do you think was their key man to really turn this game on its head? Uh, Tiago uh, Tiago Alcantara, sorry, um, as was as always brilliant. He was very waning within uh, the match, pressed to some extent um, past his ability, but then also did very well to, to get Bayern back into it. Um, Lewandowski was also excellent, but it, it's the sort of thing where you know uh, Leipzig scored within the the first minute uh, because they were they looked like they had chugged an entire gallon of Red Bull uh, right before the match. So uh, Nick, that's, a, um, that's apparently a ritual. It's not. It's not fun. <laughs> well, I'm glad it is because Bayern, they look like a team of Chabi Alonso's out there. They look like they had just rolled out of bed um, and they, they weren't really up for it. And I think that's 
that's something also you, that you spoke to is, is the management over 90 minutes. I mean, they scored the first goal and then, you know, where we may have seen a more experienced manager or a different team that looks to have a variety of different tactics across a 90 minute period. Um, maybe be a little bit more conservative, be a little bit more selective in their, in their pressing actions. They, it's almost like they didn't know what to do. They're like, okay, great. We scored. And like, now what do we do? Do we keep pressing them? Yeah. They, they <laughs> like, like look puppy, to press. Like it? It's like nine, a puppy that wants to, yeah. and they just wants to go again. Let's go and score another goal. But then again, it's good. <laughs> but I think there's a time when you're like the puppy, you're, you're tired now, buddy. It's time for you to go back. Get back into your defensive formation. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It was things, a weird one. I, I, I'm a, you know, an old guy now. 27 years old I'm I'm pragmatic I, I know when to sit back I know when to press and you know start the game on fire but maybe there's a time where you're like you know what guys we've done this we've completed loads of passes our PPDA is, is you know on point we, we, let's sit back let's counter attack but it's, it's fantastic for Leipzig Nico I expect it like me Hoffenheim Dortmund Leipzig Bayern next season is going to be a cracker isn't it yeah, Bundesliga next season is going to be huge. I think there's a variety of leagues that are going to be widely contested um, very well. Liga next season is going to be great. But yeah, oh, definitely yeah. the Bundesliga is is going to be really fun. Because I think, like you said, um, on the previous pod is what we were talking about. Or maybe we were texting back and forth something about mm. that. Um, was that, you know, I think I was asking you whether you think uh, Leipzig were sort of be, going to be dismantled. You know, they have marketable assets. They have um, assets that they could definitely sell and Nabi Keita and Timo Werner and some other uh, players in there but but they're a good club and they've also got those players on long contracts and good wages so um, maybe a, another couple of years and maybe some palpable success for those teams as well so yeah I, I really hope so I really hope uh, you know, for example Nagelsmann gets gets his market right you know keep someone like Kramaric who's been so good for them this season again on the score sheet with a brace um, this weekend in the Bundesliga it's just going to be fun. I like I kind of I think this is the most excited I've ever been about football. You know what I mean? Like I think that every single league that we talk about, you know, whether it's Serie A, whether it's Ligue 1, whether it's the Bundesliga, whether it's La Liga, each of those leagues has like four teams that you're like, wow, that's you know, that's a lot. Of Are we in a golden age, Dave? Are I, we in a golden this age? Is what I'm, of football? This is what I'm saying. This is the conclusion of the podcast, Nico. At the moment, we are in a golden age of football. I think that's it. that's that's right. I think that's pretty right. But Bielsa's coming back. I mean, he's like the grandfather oh, exactly. of so many of these managers. That's what even you know we're not even spoken about Liga. Bielsa's going to be there. Um, you've got Rudy Garcia, obviously at Marseille. There, what that's on my, on my on my podcast, folks. I, I spoke to a uh, to a Borussia Dortmund journalist and supporter about Lucien Favre going to Borussia Dortmund because it looks like Tuchel's time at Dortmund is coming to an end. So Lucien Favre to Borussia Dortmund, you heard it on the Nico underscore Omorales podcast first, and then the <laughs> Statman Dave podcast second. Um, but yeah, that, um, but I, I mean, I, I, imagine that Lucien Favre at Dortmund. That would be great. Right? Yeah. Well, I know I've spoken about my love of Lucien Favre for the past two seasons, maybe even three or four, you know, since he took the reins at Borussia Mönchengladbach, what a guy there. But anyway, guys, that's been that for the Statman Dave football podcast today. Remember, if you want to go and check out Nico, stop what you're doing right now. Go on to Twitter, open up a little box. I'm going to wait for you to do that. Right, you've got the box open. Search in Twitter, Nico underscore O Morales. Make sure you go and give him a follow and also check out his podcast, of course, with the Borussia Dortmund fan. That sounds very exciting. I'm going to go and give it a listen straight away before I even edit this podcast. So make sure you do that as well. And uh, obviously give him a follow and any love. Nico, is any more of your work that's coming out this week that you want to the listeners to check out? Yeah, I uh, put a Napoli analysis video not too long ago that I think you kindly retweeted. So, yeah, check that out. And then a couple articles coming your way, uh, hopefully, uh, within the next few weeks. So check those out as well on my Twitter. Sweet.
Anyway, guys, over and out. Episode 60, I think we're on. We need to do a bonus episode this week because last week I only did four. It's going to happen. Maybe Nico will get involved. Nico, what day do you want to do a bonus podcast? I'll do I'll do a podcast with you any day that you actually tell me the time and meet up to yeah, that time. That's a problem. Because you were a little late today, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, a little, little bit late. Obviously, meeting the guys <laughs> at the front three um, for some interesting talks. But anyway, that's been that, guys. Over and out. See you later. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.